Hello, my name is James Trupani, and this is Telling Stories. This week, we continue with our story, Bulldogs, the story of the Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith in their international travels. When we left them, they were champions in Calgary, and I talk now a little bit more about that territory and the boys from Goldborn, Lancashire. At a total combined weight of 470 pounds, Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith, the British Calgary, as a promotion, and a territory, was a place to improve and make reasonable money when the houses were up, but it was a tough environment for any wrestler. When you think about that now and how many people came through it to have a place on the world stage, it's actually quite incredible. Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, Davey Boy, Dynamite, Monster Ripper Ronda Singh, Chris Benoit, Lance Storm, Chris Jericho, to name but a few. However, there was a price to pay when it came to physical activity. Working the Stampede Loop, which stretched from all over Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, with up to eight-hour car journeys between spot shows, they had to be driven and hard just to survive, but to thrive was another thing entirely. The roads were usually covered in snow and ice and deserted and dangerous, yet heightened the biggest risk in that era. Not ring injuries, but car accidents. Davy Boy would be the victim of one in his second Stampede run. What that environment did mean was there was plenty of time to make friends and to learn the business from older veterans. Sitting down in bars and riding in cars with Billy Robinson, Archie Gooley, and visitors like Harley Race, with whom Dynamite became fast friends, this environment developed all of the Stampede workers. What also helped was regular influx of talent from other places. Buoyed by support from the NWA, they also developed agreements with the WWF, or as it was known then, the WWWF. Stewart's career began proper in New York under the tutelage of Toots Mont. When he returned to Calgary in 1948 in his new territory, Stampede, or Klondike as it was known then, was seen as a developmental company for New York for all those reasons listed above. While the WWF shortened their name, they also developed working agreements with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Both organisations would take a keen interest in Stampede for its training heritage, the dungeon, and its quick turnover of highly rated talent. When Tatsumi Fujinami turned up as WWWF Junior Heavyweight Champion, it was a tryout for Dynamite. In short, they tore the house down. Having gone to Japan before and not enjoyed the experience with IWA, Dynamite wasn't so keen. Having said that the money was good, and he took the opportunity, heading off for a tour with a New Japan connection, entirely known as Tokyo Joe, who would also pick up Brett and Davey. They worked as a unit. Making his debut in January the 4th, 1980, funny how that date resonates, isn't it, in New Japan's calendar, throughout the 1980s the main man in the division was Fujinami. Having wrested the belt from Jose Estrada in New York in 1979, he was standard by which junior heavyweight wrestling was set at the time. Really, though, he was a downsized heavyweight, Antonio Inoki in miniature. The hiring of the Stampede crew and the development of new junior heavyweight stars, the Cobra, Tiger Mask, Nobuyuki Takada and Gran Hamada, elevated the division to a new plane. Every once in a while, pro wrestling, you get a point where all the planes of style meet. This was one of those meeting points. Dynamite, Davey, Gentleman Chris Adams and Mark Rocco, as Black Tiger, brought in the classic British or mat wrestling style, alongside gymnastic athleticism. Brett bought the Canadian heel heat he had learned from watching Archie Gouldy. Tiger Mask brought the aerials he had learned in Mexico and his seasoning tours, as well as the shoot style of his mentor Carl Gotch. Hamada was another flyer, the prototype Jap Lucha wrestler, doing it years before the term was coined by Michinuku Pro and Dragon Gate. The scene was electric. When Tiger Mask made his debut in 1981, he pinned Dynamite, and so would begin a two-year rivalry over the WWF and NWA Junior Heavyweight titles. It completely changed the way New Japan looked at the junior division. It made headway for smaller grapplers as it grabbed the attention of the bookers worldwide and it made them both stars. Looking back at those matches now, what is breathtaking is pure speed that they carry into the ring. They all go for 25 minutes. 
Dynamite was now up to around 200 pounds, with Tiger Mask being the slightly smaller wrestler. Usually starting out with a burst of energy, swapping hold for hold, Dynamite would use strikes, knees and forearms more prevalently. Tiger Mask would go to the air more often, but there was no doubt they were equals on the mat. Their waist lock reversals alone can make you dizzy just watching them. They were high speed shot in the arm for the division. Dynamite working heel would be at his annoying best, breaking rules with purpose, a la Mark Rocco. There was always a means to an end. Dynamite would slow the pace with submissions, while Tiger Mask would bring it back to full speed with kicks. It was a hybrid of styles unseen anywhere else except perhaps in the UK, when Sayama went on his seasoning tour. However, to the New Japan faithful, it was mind-blowing. Even though Tommy was the heel, he would be cheered just as loudly as Tiger. They were over because they were that good. They were in demand, and not just from New Japan fans. Vince McMahon Sr. requested their presence at Madison Square Garden for a title match. They made their debuts for the WWF in August of 1982, putting together a match that Vincent Kennedy McMahon described as the greatest wrestling match he'd ever seen. The matches with Davey were also incredibly good, though with a slower pace. Davey had watched and learned. Brett's matches with Tiger Mask followed a slower, more storytelling approach, as you'd expect from the film school veteran like Brett. They were stealing the show every night they wrestled. However, it wasn't getting noticed by anyone else in the New Japan front office. Like all of wrestling, even to this day, the only thing that matters is the heavyweight division, something that would weigh heavy on the shoulders of Sayama and to a lesser extent Dynamite. Every night they wrestled the arena would be full. At least in their minds, they were there to see the WWF Junior Heavyweight Champion, his perennial number one contender. However, it was always New Japan Lee Booker and owner Inoki who took credit for the gate. Eventually, the bubble burst. In late 83, Sayama decided to break away with Akira Maeda and form the UWF, which left Dynamite alone as the top star of the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division. With the WWF belt vacated in Sayama's absence, a title tournament was created, Wrestling in Block, now as the Best of Super Juniors tournament held every year by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Going into the final round, Dynamite would be drawn with Davy Boy Smith and the Cobra. Dynamite pinned Cobra first in a round-robin series to decide the fate of the belt. The Cobra wrestled Davy Boy next and lost, eliminating him from the tournament. Coming back to the ring for the second time, Dynamite had to deal with a blown-up Davy and a hot crowd. Taking things by the scruff of the neck, as was his way, he finally became the WWF Junior Heavyweight Champion of the World. It would, however, signify the end of his relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They were getting noticed, not just in Canada where Davy and Dynamite had begun to feud again before starting to team together again, but also in Japan. Shohei Giant Baba was a man who knew his talent when he saw it and was building all Japan Pro Wrestling to be a serious company once again. Since he split from his home promotion with the JWA in the early 70s, he'd seen his company grow on the shoulders of the Gaijin talent and locals he had brought in. Using a booking style that was very much in the manner of the 1950s and 60s greats he grew up with and admired. His American style of booking, with all the due consideration for Japanese taste, was starting to look seriously dated compared to New Japan's strong style mix of catch-as-catch-can and serious bump-taking. He wanted some of that style and cachet for himself. Approaching Davy Boy and Dynamite indirectly, as was his way, he offered them a guaranteed retainer and a match fee, something New Japan could not do. Baba understood that his company was a distinct second division outfit by 1983, and he was willing to spend the money to make long-term investments. Not only would Dynamite and Davy be a lot better off, they would be in very good company. There was also one other issue. Without Sayama, it wasn't the same. How could you top the best thing ever seen in pro wrestling up to that point? Dan might return the title to the New Japan office, and he and Davey debuted under a media blackout in spring of 1984. They also debuted as a tag team in Stampede around the same time. Though tag team work would be their primary goals, Barbara had plans for the junior heavyweight division as well. Having come back off of seasoning tours, Mitsuhara Misawa was reintroduced to the All Japan Faithful as Tiger Mask 2 in the summer of 84. Having bought the rights to the characters, Dynamite and Davey Boy's weight continued to grow, 
He matched them very well indeed. Dynamite would win the All Japan's Jump Junior Heavyweight Championship, the NWA International Junior Heavyweight title from the mighty Inoue in 1985, and would have a series of matches with Tiger Mask 2. However, it would be as a tag team that they really mattered in All Japan. Never far from the top of the card, they had great matches and built their chemistry over the time in the company. They were not quite the Bulldogs yet, but they had all the tools and the proverbial shed to be something special. Back in Stampede, they were already gaining notoriety as Stampede International Tag Team Champions. However, another promoter was interested in their work. Much like Giant Baba, Vince McMahon Jr. was building his World Wrestling Federation roster and was willing to pay for those who could do the job. Obviously, having been privy to their work in Stampede and New Japan, he was exceptionally pleased to offer them a contract. In fact, it was part of a package deal that entailed the selling out of Stampede to the WWF. Bruce Brett, Jim Neidhart, Davey Boy and Dynamite were all guaranteed jobs. When it came to negotiating their position, they made two shrewd manoeuvres. Davey came up with the name British Bulldogs, and Dynamite insisted on keeping their dates with All Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, they had now, if they needed it, meant they could relax into their new jobs and develop some chemistry. They began wrestling the Hart Foundation, their friends and in-laws, from Stampede. The matches were very good indeed. In fact, they ended up headlining the B-Show circuit, so as not to detract from Hogan-orientated main event at the same time. Shipping off to Japan between WWF tours, they were a hot property there as well. They were literally most in-demand tag team in the world. They would eventually have one-year marriage to the tag team champions Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Bush's Johnny Valance men would be taken to limit every night by the Bulldogs, but never quite pull it off. And that's where we leave the story of the Bulldogs this week. We'll tell the rest of the story next week as we look into David Wood Smith's solo career and his post-Bulldogs role. Thank you for listening today. My name is James Troopany. This is Telling Stories. It's a Troopany Show podcast. Please go visit our partners, powerslam.tv. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go read our sponsors in the Empire Magazine, and you can listen to our theme tune at Bandcamp forward slash Sheriff Lone Star. The song is called Salmon Salad Boogie. Thank you for listening today.